Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to Season 3, Episode 31 of Filthy Shambles. Today I'm joined by Vaz of the uh, Dr. Tottenham Podcast and regular drinker of Daniel Levy Tax and Alcohol in Beavertown <laughs> in the south stand of the ground if you ever want to walk over and say hello. Uh, welcome, my fellow Greek Cypriot friend. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Spook. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, we always... change from talking face-to-face in Beavertown, I guess. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like some of the best conversations you can have about football is with a beer in your hands and, yeah. and just without a mic in your face. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, you know, you you always try and replicate that on a pod. It's a little bit different, but um, it's funny. I was thinking about. I was kind of scribbling notes uh, earlier today. Um, as regular listeners of this podcast know, I don't really have a strict running order. Um, but I like to talk about the 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 beats of the game and, and and other and other things. But I was I was deeply thinking about the psychology of football because had that game finished one one, the tone post game on social media on 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 any given podcast and and even this one would be a little bit a little bit different. Do you like how much are you impacted by? by the result and how much do you take from the performance uh, and I'm talking about the within the bubble of the Ange Postacoglu tenure because we can talk about winning games under Conte and it felt miserable so we're going to forget about the pass but do you are you someone that believes that the talking points often remain the same regardless of the score right now because we're in the middle of a kind of a rebuild a reboot a reset yeah, I think it, if the results affect the mood and getting a last-minute winner like we did um, on Saturday in the manner that we got that winner will lift the mood and, and keep you on a buzz for, you know, a number of days even until the next fixture perhaps. But the talking points remain the talking points in, in, in the way I see games anyway. Uh, other people might be different. Of course, had we not got the late winner, then people might focus on the negatives slightly more if there were negatives from the game, which possibly there were, and we can talk about those later. But the thing is, we um, we, we are affected by the results subconsciously, hmm. uh, but you can't deny that, you know, some talk, there'll be some talking points emanating from the game that will uh, be sort of unrelated or separate to, to the result and the mood that that puts you in. Do you, do you think winning the game the way that we did is 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 better though? Just in terms, I don't know. I know what you're going to say to this. I think most <laughs> football fans will agree. But I just felt the outpouring of emotion and the 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 the, the loss of the tension and, and the concern and the anxiety and everything else off a last yeah. minute winner is just. I mean, you can't compare it to. You can try comparing it to a lot of things, but it's what makes football really, really, really special. You know, there's there's people that've been talking about this today on on, on um, 
on, on Twitter and social media, and obviously after the game as well, it felt like winning it like that again. And we've done it a few times this season. Yeah, we have. Just makes it even, you know, it just makes it even better. It, you know, I'm not, obviously for the heart, I'd rather win convincingly within the 90 minutes and be 3 0 up, yeah. you know. Yeah. But often you come away thinking, Wow, I mean that is football. That that's why we 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 make the journey into the stadium, or you know whether you're watching it abroad or at home, it it just galvanises you. It galvanises the experience. Oh, absolutely. And I think James Madison said in the post match, didn't he, that you know he'd love just to have a, an easy three 0 win rather than doing <laughs> these late late wins. No and chance. I think most Spurs fans would probably agree. But you're right. The buzz you get from a, a last minute. Winner, I was talking with both my sons after the game, and they were talking about the release, the emotional release that mm. they, that, that that moment gave everybody in that stadium. I mean, people used the term limbs, didn't they? And, and there was limbs, and there was joy, and there was happiness, and there was just random people hugging each other. And, and you might get an element of that um, during the course of a game at any time where a goal is scored, but when they come as late as that, then, you know, it's something really to behold. I mean, we can hark back to the Sheffield United game earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, that was like a a, a crescendo that was built up off the back of the first injury time go, goal hmm. that just erupted when, when the second one went in a few minutes later. So yeah. winning that late certainly does offer... A, a, a release that sort of fuels your endorphins and everything else in that moment, and you just got to ride it. It's just a magical, magical feeling. Did you? Yeah, um, we'll be nice going two 0 or something or three 0 and have the game. This, this is it, mate. I keep, I keep, I keep waiting for like a convincing Tottenham performance. You know where there's not that much to talk about in the post game because it was like, <laughs> oh, we played really well and it was comfortable and easy. But um, it is what it is. We're, 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 we know what we are at the minute. We can actually... I'm going to ask you about that momentarily. But before I do, just last one last question off the back of that kind of last-minute winner before we, we, we delve deeper into the game as well. Did you doubt Spurs could do it? Because we know Angie's team, our team, don't stop, you know, I mean, fair enough, we started the game very slowly, and but we ended the game the way we should have started it. And we were pushing and knocking at the door. And we were waiting for that one moment of quality. But in your head, did you think, ah, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen today. It's going to finish 1-1. It's done. It's just not been a great performance. Yeah, I don't think you can help feeling that at some point. But what I will say is that I sense fans are staying later and later now. Uh, what, partly because of the fact that referees are adding on seven, eight, nine minutes additional. So you do tend to stick around. Whereas some people, getting out of Spurs has always been bad anyway. So you'd get some people leaving a couple of minutes early. And, and I've been known to, to do that a couple of times, just when you sense that, you know, it, it's not going to happen for you today. Um, And on Saturday, it got to like the 95th minute. And there's like literally a minute left of the added on time. So me, me and my sons, we start, we just got up from our seats and we started walking down Ooh. a few steps. Yeah, but we was... Oh, like, wow. And there was a load of people leaving at that moment. and But we kind of, 
were hesitant to do that, but yeah. taking slow steps, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and it's a good job that we did because we, you know, by the time we'd gone down about four or five steps, then the breakaway happened on the left, and and you um, were you yeah, dancing on the, the stairs. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I was. I was halfway down the stairs by the time we cleared up. I don't know what happened, but it was uh, yeah, it was great. Um, what, so... What's your feeling on? Um, we will get to the game, but I just feel like in the moment that we might as well just talk about this now. But what? Because there's been a lot made of West Ham supporters leaving uh, their rented accommodation, uh, having been stuffed <laughs> by the, the swamp. Um, over the weekend, and they, uh, most of them left at half time. I, sp- I spoke to a West Ham mate who, who I actually asked him, "What minute did you leave?" And he said, "The forty third. He walked out, and then really? he just spent the rest of the day in the pub uh, and got incredibly drunk. It was fair, you know, fair enough. You, you know, there's been a lot said by pundits. I want to say Chris Sutton. I mean, I don't know if anyone else has been talking about this, but obviously, social media being what it is starts making a massive discussion out of something that's been happening for generations. It's not something new, people leaving games when they feel that their team has completely and utterly let them down. Um, a 4-0 at half-time against uh, I don't know, London rivals. Do you call those clubs London rivals? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But 4-0 down at half-time. Uh, more, it's probably more about how West Ham performed, right? Because if you felt that your team was getting completely outclassed, you might still leave. But if your team is completely surrendered, then you almost feel like, well, fuck you. If if you're not gonna if you're not gonna put any effort into this, neither am I. I'm going down the pub. See you later. Now, where do you stand with that? Because at Tottenham, you're right. Getting to the ground, even back in the days, White Hart Lane, people would leave on. The eighty eighth, eight ninth minute, ninetieth minute. A lot, of, a lot of people still do that mm. because of the distance they've had to travel. And there, there's people that I've I've spoken to who said, "Well, if you made the effort for ninety minutes to watch a, a game for ninety five plus minutes, then surely the extra ten minutes either side ain't going to make a, a difference to how you're going to get out of Tottenham. So stay." But we see it. We see it. We see people get up at thirty five minutes to go and get a beer. Yeah, true. And they they miss they miss being in their seats mm-hmm. uh, to to see something happen. Um, do you give a shit? People pay their money; they can do what they want once they're in there. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, I think I think people have got the right to come and go as they please. I know we we used to rib the Arsenal fans at the Emirates leaving at whatever time so they can go catch their trains back home and and what have you, but. I guess it happens in every ground, and it's 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 your own choice, your own way you want to digest that particular football match. I mean, if you're four 0 down at half time, um, I'm sure there's there's team there's players. Sorry, I'm talking about there's fans that will um, that will just have enough. But yeah, I don't know. That early in the game for me is just too early. I'm, I'm I'll sort of stick around second half, hope that we get a goal, maybe two, and try and fight our way back in the game. But if if you see that the team has surrendered, then you're perfectly within your right to up and up and leave. I think um, Arsenal scored their sixth on about 65 minutes and did nothing after that. So hmm. you know, I'll be I'll be surprised if anybody hung around at Upton Park at at that point and, it, and it's not for Chris Sutton or anybody else to really judge those people as to how they want to come and go and leave and you're quite right I mean half time 
you see people leaving on 35, 40 minutes to go and get in the queues for the pub. I mean, you're going to miss something then, aren't you? Yeah. And, and there's been instances where people have been late back to the seats after a half and they, they've missed the goal. I mean, happened, yeah, that's happened a, a, a few times. I think against Chelsea when Skip scored straight after half time, and I think maybe even this season with uh, Papi Sarr against Man United. So it it can happen uh, at any time. But, yeah, I think, though, more and more people are staying later and later. And I think the way that these games are ending as well for Spurs, I mean, uh, Ange called the stadium a bit of a nightclub at one point. <laughs> uh, playing that free from desire disco. after the game. Yeah, <laughs> disco, that's right, yeah. Um, it's, it's getting everyone into a bit of a party atmosphere. Long may that continue because that really does uh, make the stadium such a great place to be in both before, during and after a game. So where are you at with with, with this season? Because obviously, um, you know, the, at the start of it all, in the summer, people were unsure, people were tentative, which is fair enough because we have been burnt badly. Mm. And we have overcommitted at times as, as a fan base, maybe, or we just haven't committed at all, which has made the experience even worse for some of us. Um, it's not been comfortable it seems bizarre like you go back five years and you think it feels like 10 and yet do you know what i'm saying and we've had i mean i'm not no disrespect to nuno but that appointment just remains a, a surreal moment in in, in time and it almost feels like it, it, it's not even worth talking about those pocket of results hmm. um other than the board really not knowing what they were attempting to do in that moment it kind of illustrates the, the desperation and the lack of direction um and obviously we, we're we're under Postacoglu now um do, has your mindset changed from that summer I mean where were you at in the summer expectancy wise and where are you at now in terms of how Tottenham make you feel um have you fully recovered from from last season um which was which was difficult mate because people were not turning up towards the end you know they were selling their tickets um yeah most it just people was not fun to sell their tickets and couldn't they well couldn't there you go the yeah. on the exchange uh, last yeah. season it was it was pretty grim and i remember in the summer at least one of my sons was was talking about giving his season ticket up yeah i sort of convinced him look just hang around another season let's see how it goes um, and even I said that if if it's as bad this season, then I, I might do the same. I said to him, "There's no point travelling like two or three hours down mm. to a game and three hours back to to watch Dross." But um, yeah, I think it's it's certainly been positive. You're actually looking forward to the games now. I think at the start of the season, I doubt Postecoglou was anybody's first choice. If we're all totally honest, um, we were flirting or wanting people like Nagelsmann, like bitches in heat, really, weren't we? And, and hmm. then we sort of all started falling for Arna's slot and we wanted Pochettino back. But this is probably the best thing that's that's happened, the appointment of Ange, because it's put all, that, all those conversations to bed. Nobody's even referring to them anymore. Um, expectations for the season were... Modest, I'd say. I think people just wanted us to see a team playing attractive football again. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, we lost Harry Kane, who's really, he's irreplaceable. Um, the quality of the man is unreal. So it was always going to be tough, and I think everybody had pretty much moderated their expectations. 
but then the first 10 games happened <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we was blown away I think it's safe to say um, and so expectations have since been revised um, mm. and rightly so I guess because we've seen something that we weren't expecting um, but it's been a bit of a bumpy ride of late but you know just hang in there I think um, people are expecting a bit more from this team now than they were at the start of the season and I think that's for the vast majority of the fans that's fair to say um, but we well, are we... in a transition and we forget it because yeah Ange's what he's he joined in June or whatever and now we're in February so he's only been here like eight months which it's no time is, at uh, all no time at all absolutely yeah so um we, we can delve into some of the reasons as to why we are i mean it feels like a like the entire season has been a series of bumps to be to be fair and, and mm. obstacles and and, and I'd say some self-made, self-inflicted. I'd say yeah, well, there, there you go. That's exactly yeah. the words uh, that I was uh, flirting with. So um, we'll, we'll get into the the, the specifics uh, because I think they kind of tie into the performance against uh, Brighton. Because you know, pre-game, the conversation I think in Beavertown before everybody sort of went up to their seats was, you know, we've got everyone back, everyone's back. You know, Brighton have got loads of people missing. They haven't even got their manager on the sidelines. Um, this should be a walk in the park, right? <laughs> and the moment, I can't remember who said that, but the moment it was said, it was like, it's not going to be anything like that now because the reality is, and it isn't this kind of, oh, it's Tottenham, we're going to do the complete opposite of what we expect. But the reality is not a lot has changed from the last performance or the performance before that. You know, we've been a little bit erratic uh, for a number of reasons. But the Bright game is, is is a strange one, right? Because we started, I mean, we started really slowly. And the Postacoglu, I mean, I love him. I love the guy because you know when he sits down for a presser after the match, he's going to literally articulate what you want him to say. And he's he and it's not that he's it's not like you're losing every week and you're saying, Well, we're not good enough, because then you're thinking well, we're losing every week, mate. What, what are you doing about it? But Postacoglu, you know that he knows why things might not be working or he highlights the fact that he has disappointments in application or discipline. I think he, he actually cited a lack of discipline. But what do you think was, was wrong with that first half? Because if, to me, Brighton looked like they were on it. Quick, sharp, precise, uh, very buzzy performance. And Spurs just seemed a bit, a bit like they lacked finesse. They lacked composure on the ball. It was very sloppy. Um, and were you worried at that point? Were you thinking, "Here we go again"? Was there anything that you you kind of plucked out from that first half that you thought this has got to change second half? Yeah, I think Ange said late after the game, didn't he, that he thought we were taking a few liberties first half, but and. That's possibly right. And I think you also touched on it, Spook, when you said about um, the last two games. Sorry, I just got to sip some water. Yeah, yeah, go for it, mate. Um, Only water. <laughs> oh, it is Monday. It is Monday. <coughs> it is, yeah. Um, we haven't been playing that... What? Well, sorry. We haven't been controlling games uh, recently. Yeah, correct. In, in yeah. the way that we have. And part of that is because teams are pressing us more now they're coming at us more maybe some 
teams have figured us out a little bit. We're getting more long balls over the wing backs who have vacated their spots. We're um, struggling to move the ball through midfield. And I think when fans saw that, you know, all our players were coming back, I think there was a feeling that, you know, this just meant that we were just going to click and everything will pick up where it was uh, earlier in the season. But then somebody actually put out on, on social media about how many combinations of our starting 11 haven't yet really played with each other. And that was mad. That yeah. was I saw that. You saw it, that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. So Things like M- Madison, Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky hadn't started together all season. Uh, there was other combinations of players that hadn't really s- started Play together. together. Yeah, yeah. And then you think about Benton Core coming back from a serious injury. Madison's only like a couple of games in. Uh, Son's only just returning from the Asian Cup. Werner is still pretty new and he hasn't built that understanding with you, Doggy, I don't think, down that left-hand side uh, properly yet. So there's all these variables. You know, I hear Kulisevsky's been playing with an illness the last few games games so yeah it all kind of adds up to the story being not as simple as everybody thought and then of course there's Brighton who are a good footballing team um and so who are way ahead of us as well I mean I say way ahead of us in terms of they have their template and their style and their they know they you know they know what they are meant to be doing on the pitch just as a team in terms of uh, in terms of cohesion. Whereas Spurs, arguably, you know, if you've got certain players who are either off form, returning from injury, mm-hmm. uh, returning from international duty, there, there's a fluidity that's that's not present. You know, you you spoke about control. I mean, Basuma is someone who you would expect, right? To to if he can regain that early season form, for him to be the one that 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 uh, controls the tempo, retains the ball for periods of time, the way that he does protect the ball to allow us to move, to allow us to just slow things down. Uh, Whereas I think in that first half, it was a lot of here's the ball to feet, I will give it back to you. Um, And it was almost like a collective uh, um, glitch um, because everybody was doing it, and it's like, how can, how can, why does that happen in football sometimes, where just everybody seems to mimic the, the their teammate, in that nobody can quite find that 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 kind of confidence to just put their studs on the ball and go right, guys, just 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 let's settle down a little bit here, let's let's stop making these mistakes, let's um, you know defend better, because it, because it, I mean. Let's go back to what Ange said. Where do you think the liberties were being taken or the risks? Was it defensively? Do you think we've we've kind of lost um, the... We haven't lost the ability. That's the wrong term. Let me try that again. Do you think we're, we're trying to play the ball out when we shouldn't be trying to play the ball out? Do you think that was one of the, the risks he was referring to or do you think it was further up the pitch? I think uh, the risks that were taken were essentially on the edge of our box. Um, Benton Core got caught a couple of times for dallying on the ball a little bit too long. We seem to be wanting to take more touches. Even someone like 
Udogi, who's still doing great, by the way. Um, Earlier yeah. in the season, he was more crisp with his passing. Uh, movement was a lot more fluid. Now he seems to be thinking about it a little bit more. Same with a few other players too. And we just, if you're going to play Ange ball, you've got to move into position and make your passes quicker. If you're going to be press resistant, which is a new buzzword yep. thing, isn't it? I've um, used it many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you're you're more modern than me, Spooks. So that's probably why. Um, I don't quite know what it means, but I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm. I'm yeah, yeah, go on. You, you've got to move the ball. I know what it means. Yeah, yeah, you've got to move the ball quicker. You've got to yeah. break. And there, there's been glimpses in the re- recent games where we haven't controlled it well. Yeah, where we have broken a press smartly and quickly and put ourselves on attack. And when we've done that, we it's looked brilliant. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that of what we said before. You know, players coming back, trying to get back into the swing of things, getting uh, match fit. Um, and, and all the I mean don't forget for, there was a period where we were playing four fullbacks in defence so you know we've had to go through a bit of turmoil yeah, and we haven't sure. been able to um, recover as immediately as we would have liked but I'm still positive that things are going to get better but it's just um, it's just not firing on all cylinders at the moment and and so okay, so we're we're come back to individual players because there's there's probably quite a lot to talk about the 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 midfield especially because I feel like all the midfield are not anywhere near a hundred percent yet, and that's obviously going to impact the way that you you try and control the game. Uh, but there there are flashes of, of of brilliance, and there's also moments where you you kind of scratch your chin, your head, whatever, and think. Yeah, he's not quite there yet. He's going to need a bit of time, uh, a lot more time maybe, which is going to impact how we do play across the next, well, the rest of the season, to be fair. And that impacts where we finish this season. And I guess that's where the that's where the anxiety creeps back in because even though we have next season and the season after that, you know, we're building towards something. When there are opportunities in terms of momentum, if 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 you know that you can be playing better, and you know that the teams around you are, are maybe at the same level as you, maybe as erratic as as you, you you want to be the one that takes advantage of that. But in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot going on, and I think we probably need to be a, a bit more gentle towards our own psyche. To be fair, because we've been tortured enough. <laughs> with bad football and bad promises and and no real direction and whereas now we kind of know exactly who we want to be as a team we have an identity there is a connection and, and a bond players manager um that's it's just everything at the club is is pushing in the direction you want it to push in you know is it going to be a success i don't care that question doesn't need to be answered in the present because you just don't know you just do not know um we have a plan and a strategy, it seems, right now, Spook. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, that's a nice feeling as well because even, I don't know if you saw the little interview that, what's his name, Lange gave. Yeah, yeah, I did. We've got Lange and Ange. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, and he, he, I like the way he spoke, the way he communicated. And I know Paratici did stuff like that before. Yeah. It's good to hear. But, you know, from... You know, and he spoke about the under-21s and the under-18s and the people on loan and the people that we got on loan and the the, the, the the you see by who we're purchasing and the signings and we've 
you know, at Postacoglu at the helm, it just seems as though we've finally got the semblance of a cohesive strategy running through the club. I mean, people already aren't talking about Daniel Levy anymore, and that's a good thing, right? Because everybody yeah. agreed that he should step away from the footballing side and leave it to footballing people, and you just start to feel that perhaps that, that's happening now. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It's always good to move away from the politics unless yes, I see something online and I'm triggered by it and then I just can't help myself. But there you go. Um, let, let me, I mean, look, we don't need to go, we don't need to go through the game uh, beat by beat, even though, you know, it's the main, the main uh, anchor points that, that we need to dig into. But there's something interesting I saw today and it kind of plays into a couple of things. It plays into us conceding a penalty. I think that's the sixth one that we have given uh, or has been given against us this season. Um, what's interesting is we've only been given one. And the reason that's interesting is because there was a stat today, uh, Statman Dave on, on, on Twitter. Um, Tottenham and Man City are the only two clubs in Europe's big five leagues so far this season with 200 plus carries into the penalty area. So Tottenham have got 221. City have 205. Um, so there's a couple of things here. There's a, there's a few little little conversations that we, that we can have. Um, why don't we get more penalties, considering that we are running into the box a lot? Um, and also, <laughs> the counterpoint is, why the fuck aren't we shooting? Because like it, <laughs> yeah. it feels like we are trying to walk the ball in sometimes. Like, where, where, where do you fall on this? Because it's interesting. You know, Spurs are a good football inside, right? And, and Postacoglu has said a few times this season, he's not completely happy with the way that we attack, right? And you know that it, 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 you feel that things will evolve in terms of how we are... Um, taking uh, advantage of, of those patches of, of possession that we have had this season where we're kind of dominated and scored and, and, and sometimes we don't score enough to really get that convincing win. So we get it. We need to improve. However, you've got someone like Kulisewski. I know he's been unwell. He's he's a beast of a player. The way he, he just goes past defenders is just unbelievable. He doesn't look like he he, he should be able to get past them and yet he, he just just floats past them but we know he used to cut in mm. and then curl the ball in and like have a crack and there's been a couple of times where he's taken that extra touch but w- yeah. w- what's your uh, kind of you know your analysis on this like do you think it's instructional instructions do you think it's just it is a comfort zone we haven't quite reached are we not shooting enough we're we not taking chances are we trying to score the perfect goal yeah, I don't know if we're trying to score the perfect goal. Um, it's funny you mentioned Man City because they are, I guess, the example. And after all, Ange is just copying Pep. There, um, there you go, of course. <laughs> but they, whenever I've seen them play, maybe not so much this season, but certainly in prior seasons, they would always overload the flanks and try to get that by, to that byline and just you know nip it across for essentially a tapping. That was like their their MO, that's what they always were striving for. Yeah. Um, with us, it's, it's slightly different, but I think the the winning goal against Brighton on Saturday was Angie's ideal goal, really. The left-sided winger 
cutting in, crossing it for the right-sided winger at the back post. That's that's the perfect goal in his style of play, I suspect. Yeah. But th- while we're not getting... Well, number one, what you said, we should be shooting more. But while we're not getting penalties, I think maybe sometimes we're just too honest. There was uh, an opportunity on Saturday against Brighton where Kulisevsky got played in by Richarlison. And as he was stumbling, he took the shot. Their goalie made a great save, fair enough. But he'd got a nudge there. If he'd have got gone over, hmm. there would have been a decision for the referee to make. Hmm. And there was another one as well, I think Madison got into the area and again he tried to stay on his feet where if he'd have gone down, I can't remember the exact minute or moment, but I remember we, we mentioned it as we were watching the game and we said, well, if he'd have gone down there, I think we'd have given a penalty. And it's and it's things like that. But other than that, I don't know whether um, we have the same gravitas around us, the same aura around us as a club. Uh, where referees will immediately point to the spot. And I know that sounds a bit weird to say. Yeah. But there is a psyche as a referee sometimes, and there is, you know, subconscious or, or whatever it might be. But if you're, if, if you're at Anfield or you're at Old Trafford or if you're at the Etihad and somebody goes down in a, under a certain challenge, your initial reaction might be to give it, whereas maybe not so much with... With Spurs, I don't know. Maybe that's just me talking shit. But um, it's well, a I mean, one. It, I, I did see someone say that we've we've not really had much go our way since the Liverpool game. But I think that requ- requires a, a very heavy tinfoil hat to to really mm. buy into those kind of conspiracies. Every football fan base is going to say that you know the refs well, are against weird them to and... have that many carries into the area, and and you know. Yeah, we were apparently the most fouled team, or we were a couple of games ago. Ago, so yet we we're still managing to pick up yellows and reds, and it's just it, weird. I don't, it, I don't understand. Interestingly, it. something else that I saw that I, I found quite humorous was um, there was a uh, the Premier League table of uh, fouls, basically mm-hmm. players, how many fouls they've committed. Uh, Christian uh, Christian Romero, Christine Romero, Cootie <laughs> Romero, uh, sister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Romero has committed fourteen. Now the it's narrative, lot, I I, yeah. it, well, it's okay, he's in a hundred and forty third place. There's quite oh, a right. few people. <laughs> so There's a quite a few people on one hundred forty three though. That probably doesn't tell you much. What would tell you more is. Uh, number one is Conor Gallagher with fifty. Wow! <laughs> so, and he's the guy Ange wants to buy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kulusevski and Yudogi are, are both on thirty-seven apparently, which is I found quite interesting. Um, it doesn't tell you much in numbers, right? You you got to watch the game with your eyes, and you got to assess what the players are doing. You can do you can make five fouls in one season and get five red cards. You got a problem yeah, with that player, have, so it's... it matters where on the pitch those fouls are being exactly. Given, yeah, exactly. But uh, just some some uh, random stats for you for the people that like stats. You're not going to get that from this podcast uh, in in any more depth. Yeah, um, don't listen to the extra inch for that. Yeah, don't, don't listen to the extra inch. Don't do... Anyway, um, <laughs> the in terms of. Um, in terms of the game, so like we 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 go one nil down. Obviously, we kind of labour. Oh, saw with uh, uh, the equaliser in the second half. I don't know why I'm double checking myself. I had a lot to drink on Saturday, 
Um, a lot to drink over the weekend. I, I should I should really chill out a little bit. Like dry, dry February and March. I think is, <laughs> is on the cards. Um, but uh, you know, Saar scores. Love him. Love him to bits. Um, what, what did you make of the substitutions? Because there was a lot of discussions around. Yeah. Uh, let's just wait. Let's just give it. Five minutes, ten minutes, let's just wait and see what happens. Do you think they disrupted the team? Or do you think they were essential based on um based on protecting the players, based on the on the players that started, based on getting minutes in for the players that that are returning? Where did you fall on this? Because it did feel I mean, I've not watched the game back, right? But in the moment it felt like it did it did kind of allow Brighton to come back into it. It was a, it was a strange game, right? In terms of we we overall you could argue, you could agree with the manager that we did enough to win the game. That we'd had a lot of the ball uh, but we 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 made it very difficult in front of goal the final third. We didn't really have that cutting edge. Um but Brighton didn't really do much to the other end. They had a couple of opportunities where you thought they're going to bury this and they didn't. So you could argue they came close to punishing us. Better teams might have done that in that moment. But do you think the subs played a big part? Or do you think it was one of those games where um, it was kind of end-to-end in a messy type of way and, and and it was just a case of who was going to step up? Yeah, I think that the subs did actually disrupt us. Now, I think what happened was um, we're clearly pressing for an equaliser and the goal wasn't coming and he'd already got the three subs up to come on but then as soon as Saar scored in my opinion he should have told um, Johnson and Bissouma to sit down and just bring on Son for Werner that's the substitution I would have made right because as bad as we were in the first half I thought those first 15 minutes or so before Saar's goal we were buzzing it was some of our best period of play and Kulisevsky who hadn't been performing well was suddenly getting the turn on their left back and giving him a torrid time even Bentoncourt was looking more like his lively self and making runs and picking up the ball and pressing on uh, on the Brighton players and it all just seemed like it was starting to come together uh, and of course we got the goal but then you know, Ange had already made up his mind, so he, he brought all three of them on. And I, I think that disrupted us for a little while. Yeah, I have to agree. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier, Spook, about how the result makes you feel a certain way. But there are still talking points that are talking points regardless. And I think this was probably one of them on Saturday. Yeah, it's, you know, there's there's nothing, look, there's nothing uh, wrong. It's quite it's perfectly okay for us to be happy with a result or, or or performance but then be critical of individual performances or decisions made we can question postacoglu right we're football supporters of course we're going to do that you know it's just that you don't have to do it with finality like well if he, he's done this yeah. he's never going to learn you know he's never going to you know he's he's working things out game to game um you know celtic fans have banged on how Difficult they felt it was at the beginning for them under Postacoglu. I think they lost the first game. They had some rough performances, and then they slapped Rangers, and they never looked back. Slightly different, you know, comparing 
that league with, with the Premier League. Um, but, you know, there's, I think it has to play a part in terms of what we've had to endure this season with those injuries and suspensions and international duty. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps, yeah, one criticism of Postacoglu would be to just hold off a little bit. And 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 I get it. I, I you know I appreciate this. I, I really like this mentality. It's really difficult when I'm talking to family, uh, because um, as you know, like a, a, a lot of Greeks are warriors, and yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, they don't. They do look at the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just escaped my mind. Like Glass it's end, kind of thing. well, it's end of days analysis all the time. It's like the it's the worst case scenario um, at any given moment, um, and it's it's like it's the last game of football you have ever watched, and therefore that defines everything <laughs> that might happen if football returns after that point. It's just it's just a bizarre way of looking at things. I'm I'm, I'm really stereotyping here, but um, the the point being is that you 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 listen to Postacoglu and he says, you know. This is the way we play. And people think, oh, this is so dumb. He's dumbing, you know, this is such basic football, but it's not. It's repetition. Keep playing the ball out the back. You're going to make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, keep playing the ball out the back. Because a year from now, a hundred games from now, whatever it is, those players are going to be able to do it blindfolded. Do you know what I'm saying? It's going to be like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars where he's wearing the helmet and he's training with Obi-Wan Kenobi. There you go, nerds. If anyone from the extreme <laughs> is, is, is listening, then oh, that's, that one was for you. Um, the, so it's it, repetition is really important. And it's not... It's, yeah, it's stubborn, but there, there's... And I'm not saying that's going to be forever. I'm sure Postacoglu has a second phase and a third phase, you know. But in the moment, it's important that we... We 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 kind of calibrate ourselves in a, in a, in a certain way to be able to perf- to to perform, and perhaps with him, he's te- he, you know he wants to make these su- substitutions. Maybe in fifty sixty games time, it doesn't disrupt anything. But I think in the minute, you know, he has a lot of confidence in his players, but obviously there's one or two that are are struggling a little bit. Um, Let's keep... Sorry to interrupt. There's a no, 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 things. go for it. No, there's a couple of things on the subs. I think earlier in the season, I, I liked mm. his substitutions. Mm. They were always sort of mirrored what I as a fan felt the team needed. So I'm, I'm going to praise him for that. Yeah, you're making the right changes. Yeah. I think recently, as the squad has become larger, I don't know whether subconsciously he feels that he needs to use his squad or he needs to see certain players in certain positions, in certain predicaments. Okay. Um, I mean, last week, for example, at Everton, he, he brought on Dragosin, um, went three at the back again. He, he's done that previously. Now, people earlier in the season would have, would have said, well, why doesn't he bring on a defender and, and shore things up? Um, so now he's adapted to that and he's done that, but it hasn't worked out. We've conceded a last-minute equaliser, so people yeah. would say, well, that was maybe not the right move to do because it disrupted our our rhythm. I, I think with substitutions, um, you're onto a hiding for nothing a, a lot of the time, I, I guess. You can only do or you can only read the game a certain way or how you feel and you just go with your gut at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's easy with hindsight, isn't it? I mean, if, you know, on this well, occasion... He could, argue, he could argue that 
you know, two of his subs um, combined for the <laughs> yeah, So he got yeah. it right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, look, you know, well, I think we've spoken about the goal uh, and, you know, that moment of quality, um, the, the weight strike from the back all the way down that that, that side. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was pulsating, like, to watch. You kind of knew what was happening. Yeah. You kind of, I saw Johnson corner of my eye, and I thought, "He's please for the love of God, get the ball to his feet. He, he cannot miss, right?" And he, you know, he cannot miss, and then he kind of wheeled away, celebrating. Um, and obviously, limbs that we are very familiar with at Tottenham, and you got the three points. A really important period of time for Tottenham because you know we've got Wolves again at three three p.m. on Saturday. Uh, we've got Palace after that, which. I'm going to say it's 3 p.m. Saturday again. It is, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, that's three on the trot. And then, obviously, we've got the big game away to Aston Villa. And I say it's a big game because, with I mean, I don't know what Villa's results are going to be in the meantime, but we could have a a, a more um, uh, defined understanding of what the fixtures ahead of that will mean to us in terms of Champions League. Because you know, every time United pick up points, they're back. And the narrative around Man United is, well, the Champions League, they're back in the race. It's like, mate, they're, they're the two wins behind. Like, let yeah. them win those two games and catch up and then talk about them being back in the exactly. race. But the media's the media. There's, a, there's no point in, in, in worrying about, uh, you know, the, 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 the package that they have to uh, promote, the global package that is the Premier League. Um, so we win the game. Obviously, happy days, happy days. But so let's just pick out some of the performances because Son's impact was great. He comes on, he's just like arms in the air, pumped up. Everyone, everyone in the stadium is pumped up. You know, such a such an influence. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on Richarlison? Because he's been banging them in. You know, when he gets the opportunity to do so instinctively, like. The classic when when a striker doesn't have to think, they can score well. Do, um, but when he does have to think and he has to take two touches, he's kind of one touch and then he's chasing the ball after the second touch to get it back. Yeah. Um, do you think it's unfair? The because I think this was spoken about on. Oh, I've heard people speak about this like at at the game, but also I think on the fighting cock and, and one or two other places. Do you think we're harsh on Richie because we are comparing him to what we know and expect? There's a moment in the game when Madison, uh, who's slowly, slowly creeping back to, 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 to form, played uh, like a, a, a pass outside of his foot. It's an absolutely beautiful ball into the feet of Richie, who, who wasn't offside, didn't beat the keeper. No. And you're thinking, oh, that, that's a chance. Okay. Yeah. Is that a chance Harry for... Bury those so often. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the measure, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is it a chance for Harry Kane and, and not for like a, 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 a mortal? Um, <laughs> how, how do you feel? Do you think Richie has longevity under Postacoglu? I think he's starting to carve that out for himself. Um, I mean, I've got to be honest. I, I've always been a bit sceptical about his role in the team and, and his contribution to the team uh, so much so that fellow podcasters on our pod say that I've got something against Brazilians, but he's... Um, <laughs> All right, Graham Sooners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
but he's he's certainly proven me and a lot of people wrong mm. uh, recently. In fact, he's he's essentially carried us uh, while Son hasn't been here, and that's great to see. It's great for him and his confidence. But he's still there's a couple of lapses in his game. I mean, against Brighton on on Saturday, I think he put his first three passes out of play. You know, um, sometimes his his hold up play, his his first touch just isn't there, and the ball runs away from him. But when all is said and done, his contribution to the team in the last five, six, eight, nine games yeah. um, cannot be understated. I think he's, yeah, done, he's done really well. And if he's if he continues in this way, then whereas before fans were talking about a £60 million sort of being too much for him, um, we, we might suddenly he'll be playing to his value and, and everybody's, you know, happy days. 200 million to a Saudi club. Is that what you're saying, Baz? <laughs> yeah, is that what you're saying? That's what have I got you, have I got, summer, Can I quote you on that? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so from Richie to um, Johnson, because yeah. he's very much maligned. Um, you know, there's, there's always... I don't know if it's like a collective thing again within the stadium where... We don't intentionally look to scapegoat. We subconsciously decide, oh, that's the player, it's all his fault, or that that's the weak link in the team. He's not good enough compared to what we're expecting. And, you know, this is a conversation that is layered, right? It's not just a case of we overspent, he's not good enough, he's got no end product, he's not confident enough, he's not a killer, he, he's this, 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 this and this. You know, the reality is Johnson probably shouldn't be starting games, right? But he was thrown into the deep end because of all the injury issues and, and everything else that was going on at the club. And I personally, I don't think he's looked... He's looked out of place in moments, but he's not like he shies away from it. I don't think he's... And no disrespect to Sessignon, but I, I find Sessignon, when he does play, when he is fit, which is a rarity to kind of lack, like to have the Jermaine Genuses about him in moments. Genus could turn up against Arsenal and turn up in, in, in certain games and had a lot of quality about his football. But often he he would just disappear. He, and, uh, and, and at the time, I always remember thinking if Genus had the arrogance and self-belief of Gerrard, he'd be, a, he'd, you know, he'd be a completely different player, right? Because it's not... You know, most footballers are athletes. Most footballers have the lungs to run around for 90 minutes, etc., etc. And after that, it's technicality, but it's also it's what's in your head. It's the application and the mental fortitude that you possess as a footballer. And and, and obviously, you can go into more details about vision and, 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 and the rest of it. How, how do you interpret um, Brennan Johnson's uh, start at Tottenham, just in terms of... Yeah, I, in, it, well, just in terms of how you're feeling about him and, and and how we should be protecting him, not as a not not just as a club, which I think we are, but as a fan base as well. Why do is this a common thing again? Is this what everyone does? Do we does everyone pick on someone and just decide you shit? I hate you. You're rubbish. Get rid. You know Spurs fans, they've always had a scapegoat. I mean, I'm old enough to remember going to Spurs as a kid with my dad and people would be having a go at John Pratt. You know, a few years later, it was John Lacey, for those that are old enough to remember. And we can go through a whole host of Spurs teams from back then until now, and there's there's always been 
somebody that isn't quite good enough. I mean, Hoiberg has had a had a shed load in in the last couple of seasons. Before that, it was Dyer, and you know. But um, as far as Johnson goes, I, I we need to support the kid. Um, he needs time. You know, he's only a few months into his Spurs career. I mean, thank God social media wasn't about when Chris Waddle joined us because we'd have all wanted him out after the first season. You know, same with Darren Anderton and Gareth Bale. The list goes on. Um, I think we need to trust Ange, obviously. I think with Johnson, it'll come in time. I sense that he struggles a little bit doing that Decky role. Decky's really good when... He's got his back to a defender, he's back to their goal, and he can receive the ball, either lay it off or turn and move. I think Johnson struggles with that side of the game. But then when you're playing balls through for Johnson to run onto, that's a strength for him. So it's just really trying to play to his strengths for now, not trying to get him in situations where he's on the halfway line having to hold off some chunky left back and getting kicked mm. and you know losing the ball or, or whatever the case may be but um i think it will come i think we just need to be patient as fans we just yeah. need to be patient yeah see everyone should be like you they should be more like you <laughs> stoic like you know stoic, just yeah just a little bit more balanced like me well like the two of us you Not know sure. again it's i do yeah. i do feel that um be that meme in a minute uh how about us <laughs> look at us <laughs> But um, or, this, or the the two spider men pointing at each other. Yeah, um, that, yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna I was gonna go on a rant about other Greek Cypriot content creators, but you know what? I'm 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 not gonna yeah, do that. I'm gonna behave. I'm gonna behave yeah. myself. I'm gonna behave myself. Um, what we're gonna do? We're gonna actually stop the the, the pod. Well, I say stop. We're gonna continue in a moment because there's still more things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Basuma being a six or an eight. I want to talk about this whole narrative around Vic being stronger and this this issue with just this issue with the way goalkeepers are bullied, you know, in in the penalty area and what they need to do, what we need to do to be able to protect our keeper. And and one or two other little things as well that I kind of plucked out the the weekend. Um and then looking ahead to um next weekend, this weekend upcoming. So um Hold your thoughts for a second. For everyone who is still listening, thank you. Thank you for downloading um, wherever you grab this podcast episode from. If you want to continue listening to the pod, uh, you can find the rest of the podcast, the full podcast on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash spooky in purgatory. Um, give me a sub. Have a listen. If you like it, just keep listening. That's all you need to do. If you don't, cancel your sub and just you know i probably won't talk to you if i met you in beaver town that's on them um so up the spurs and uh that's it